Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 108. Boy, we're getting up there in age and uh, hopefully everybody's doing good. I'm testing something and it worked. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to, uh, oh, I feel horrible. Uh, I'm try I have to pull up the email. One of you guys sent me an email this week about the whole issue with when I start this broadcast that I can't mute it until it starts. And somebody said, why don't you just mute the computer? And I said, let's see if it worked. That's what worked. It worked. And then I was able to mute it through the system as well. So that that worked. I want to say thank you for that. Um, sorry if I forgot the email and name. Um, it's been a busy, busy week. So um, <laughs> somebody says 108 great hardcore band. So let's get into some discussions some questions what's going on what's up with you guys this week what's up with me this week uh i look forward to this uh this has been a, a crazy week for me lots of content that i didn't release any content this week i don't think i did a single video or released a single video uh i think i only put one to the patrons and that was something that's actually just a piece of a video that i'm working on and uh but that's okay lots of stuff coming and uh, Brian Stewart said, congratulations on 210,000 subscribers. Thank you, Brian. Uh, you know, when you hit 211,000 subscribers, you get to have one more thousand subscribers. I don't know. I don't know. That's, it's awesome though. It's, it's, uh, so, you know, those numbers don't even seem real to me. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys that watch this have channels and some of your channels are bigger than mine. Some of your channels are smaller than mine and you, I'm sure you feel the same way. No matter what size your channel is, it seems, uh, unfathomable that, so many people even like the instrument or the thing you like, much less watch you or talk to you. It's great. Um, let's get into some stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of great questions and some subjects to talk about as well. Um, before, hold on a second. Hold on. Well, let's see. Let's start with David Hunter. Why not? Uh, hey, Phil, building a guitar from, uh, for my fiance who loves the bright and clear single coil sound. Could you recommend a very wide frequency range single coil um yeah single coils are tough because they're there i am not a traditional single coil fan in other words i don't tend to like the single coils that everybody else likes and i don't know what that is i don't know what the logic is behind that when i think of single coil fans i always think of 50s single coil pickups seems like fender likes to put those in the guitars and we talked about this talked about this before i'm more of definitely a uh a 60s era single coil fan i like lace sensor pickups um i use my lace uh, gold uh lace blue lace red lace silver i like all those pickups i like which is funny because i'm i have noiseless pickups branded pickups by fender in my guitars but i'm not a huge fan of them but for pickups you know for single coils it's tough especially without not know without knowing the guitar to know what to recommend but if she likes bright and clear sounding single coils that's gonna be more like the traditional low output uh 50s era pickups so i would kind of look for those as well you can get the fat 50 set from fender you can get a 50 set from seymour duncan there's also like sets um to me a great suggestion for a single coil that has that kind of bright clear sound but it's also noiseless is I think they're called the HS somethings now by DiMaggio. They used to be this the Ingve Malmsteen pickups. So that's the easiest way to find them. They were the Ingve Malmsteen. Now Ingve Malmsteen is with Seymour Duncan now, and they have Ingve Malmsteen single coil pickups. And I don't know if I've actually played the Seymour Duncan version. I don't know if I've actually played a guitar that had them in there. But I've always been a fan of the DiMaggios and 
I don't really have any kind of like I've played the original Seaworth uh, uh, Dimarchios with the Ingve logos, you know, the Ingve, and now of course the ones that no longer have his logo or name on them, and I like them both the same. So something that, especially for if you want that '50s era sound but noiseless, I think that's one of the best pickups out there for that era, uh, get that sound. So. There you go with that. And then I have a pen question. Hold on, Matt. I want to get a non-pen question. Um, let's, uh, whoops. Hold on a second. Oh, Shaman Blue said, Wiggins overwound pickups are nice. You know, that's a good, thank you, Shaman, for suggesting that. I do have Wiggins in two of my guitars. And uh, in fact, it's the biggest testimony I have for Wiggins pickups is, um, Wiggins pickups are in my least expensive Stratocaster, my Squire Bullet, and they kill. They sound amazing. Bright, clear. You might have, a, you know what? I'll put a link in the description for Wiggins pickups because, again, we know William Wiggins here on the channel. He's a great guy. Uh, his pickups sound great. And they're unique if you're looking for something really cool and different. Uh, aesthetically, sound-wise, they are classic and, and, and sound great, but aesthetically, they are very unique because they're made of wood. They got wood bobbins. So thank you again, Shulman. That's a good good point out for that. You know, it's funny is, and now I'm trying to think about it. I have, because I have Wiggins in that pickup uh, Strat and I have Wiggins in another Strat, but I think I mentioned this before, that is I have plastic covers over my Wiggins on my other Strat for the aesthetics. So I have a set where you can see his the beautiful wood bobbins and somewhere you you can't. Uh, Mike E. Brian, e, Mike E. B. Brian, Breen, I don't know. Sorry, Mick. Oh, it's not even Mike. It's Mick. Mickey O'Brien. Whatever. What do you think about Zach Wild Audio? Um, I would be, I'm going to feel horrible whatever comes out of my mouth right now because my first instinct is I'm not even sure that it exists still. Is it still a brand? Does it exist? I, what I remember was it came out and uh, it was displayed at Schechter Guitars. Here's what I know about Zach Wilde's brand. It was displayed at Schechter's Guitars, which alluded it was going to be built by Schechter Guitars, but that's what I'm understanding later was not. It was only distributed by Schechter Guitars outside the U.S. Inside the U.S., it was exclusively distributed by Guitar Center. So a lot of people kept saying, oh, it's great because Schechter just, you know, builds it and distributes it. But when I talked to Schechter, Schechter said they distribute it in Europe and outside the U.S. They don't build it. And in the U.S., it was distributed by Guitar Center. What I remember about Guitar Center was they were clearancing them all the time. Now, the guitars I picked up played great, sounded great. For some reason, consistently were always heavy, something I really didn't enjoy because I don't like the heavier guitars. But, you know, I could get over that because I got like that Les Paul right behind me. That thing's like 12 pounds. Um, so I liked them, but I don't see them anymore. And I thought Guitar Center was the only distributor. And I've seen and talked to independent retailers who told me personally they would never carry them because of that arrangement with Guitar Center, whether it was an exclusive at first to be Guitar Center only brand and then move to all stores, which I think is what the plan was, or it was just Guitar Center only. It really put a foul taste in a lot of the independent dealers. You know, I understand. I understand both sides of the coin, uh, considering I, I, you know, I've been there with the retailers. I know the feeling of when it's like, you know, to have get the big chain, get all the opportunities. But I also understand from a manufacturing point of view, like Zach Wilde, that you got to get the best distribution you can. And, um, but that being said, uh, somebody probably tell me in the comments, are they still around? Uh, I just don't feel like they're around anymore. So, um, So, yeah, I'm just waiting to see if anyone says anything. Mm, nope. 
So, uh, oh, Michael Costa, we're talking about Zach Wild. We're asking if the brand Zach Wild Audio is still around. You know, they're supposed to do amps. They never even came out with the amps. Remember that? That just like that was a non-start on that. They they talked about the amps and then never put them out. So that was that was the end of that. So the easy answer is no amps and uh, and I don't know if guitars still exist. Wish them all the best though. Uh, Matt wants to know. Hey Phil, finally got a wah pedal. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> you know everybody's like uh, you know your your first wah pedal is is like the greatest experience ever. It's in fact, I, uh, I feel like every time I buy a wah pedal, I think a lot of us, when we buy a wah pedal, you try to re kind of rejuvenate that exciting moment. The first time you got to try a wah pedal out and it never happens the second time the same way. It's just kind of a cool feeling to hear that sound. Um, where do you recommend, uh, ordering it on a, oh, okay. So the order, so he wants to know where do I put it on a pedal board, uh, with an overdrive delay. Uh, here's the answer, man. No matter what you say next, I put the wah pedal first. Um, I don't put compressor uh, compressor in front of a wah pedal. Usually that's something I would put first, compressor for me. But if I put a wah pedal, actually, if I do, actually I have a wah, my board right there, wah pedal is absolutely first. So wah pedal is always going to be first in my pedal board. The only thing that would change that sometimes is fuzz pedals, right? Sometimes you want it before and after a fuzz pedal uh, because of the whole buffer thing. But that being said, uh... I will always put it in first unless specifically there's an issue with the uh, the fuzz pedal. For first, I like it first. Um, so, and uh, I understand, and and so you know, that is not a rule, a steadfast, hard, fast rule that says, yes, it has to go first. Like you're saying in the rest of your comment, you can't make up your mind what you like best because I'm sure when you experiment, you try different things. But me, wah pedals always first um, because I love wah pedals. I said this before, uh, my joke, it, it's, it's whatever, it's a comment, but it's maybe you'll find it funny. I say only guitar players are sick of wah pedals. Audiences are not. I've never heard a non-guitar player say, whatever that wah wah sound is, I hate that. People love wah pedals, <laughs> right? And it's it's funny to me. It's like, uh, so guitar players get like, oh, Kirk Hammett's too much wah, or this guitar player is too much wah. But, but ideally, you know, the, the, the fans, the listeners, they don't ever complain about wah pedals. And I've learned, and I've said this before, I've learned the trick when you go to open jam night, when you go and jam with people, even though the majority of the audience are musicians that are going to go up on stage and jam, the non-musicians, especially the guys that should listen to this, the ladies, the ladies like the wah pedal. You think I'm kidding. You think, but it's true. Every time I used to not bring a wah pedal because guitar players are like, oh, sick of wah pedal. But if you put out a wah pedal and you play just a wah pedal a little bit, every non-musician always comes up to you. And I have I have a, even a better story than that that's funnier. I once played one night and the guitar player that played immediately after me who blew me out of the water was 10,000 times more talented, was just nailing every note. I got so many accolades all night. <laughs> from my wah solo they're like whatever you were doing man that thing was just tearing it up you were just really crazy and the other guy he just got in the shadow of the wah pedal i almost felt bad that me and my sad little licks and wah pedal was killing him but so there you go so uh, wah pedal first and use the wah pedal because the audience likes the wah pedal i'd like to hear you guys' thoughts so i like it when you guys tell me uh when you have i like it when you guys have something <laughs> see will says women dig wahs i yeah and, yeah, and the and the men. Remember when I think when the women play the wah, the the male the male uh, non musicians, you know, right, love the wah too. So, so 
Ben says, Ben Combs says, I sold my wah, never used it as the other player in my band uses one. Yeah, okay, that's a different argument, right? Um, I've been in a, a like experience without a wah, uh, Ben, because uh, I've had that experience with just uh, just gear, you know? You, you ever have an amp that you love, but the other guitar player uses an amp that just either it, it really cuts the mix and kills your amp out or it doesn't mix with your amp. So sometimes you can't. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to listen to two wahs. That's a good question. When you think of wah players, like I, to me, when I think of wah guitar players, I know you're supposed to think of Hendrix, but my favorite guitar wah player is Gary Hoey. I love Gary Hoey. Um, and, um, and Gary Hoey, when he uses a wah, it's like he uses a wah a lot and I don't, I don't ever get sick of it. So when I think of uh, wah players, I think of Gary Hoey, I think of Slash, which is funny. I think of Jimi Hendrix. I think of Kirk Hammett. What I'm trying to think of now is trying to think of a band where two guitar players in the band both use wah heavily. And I can't think of one. Like said, with, with Metallica, James Hetfield, I don't think he even uses a wah, does he? And if he does, not very often. And uh, so when you think of guitar players where they have two, where you think of bands where they have two guitar players, Ben might be onto something in the comment that maybe only one guitar player can have that wah. So that would be, if that's true, if that becomes a thing, it's important that if you're in a band right now and you're listening, that you get your wah pedal first. <laughs> Think of it like, in fact, not to be a jerk, but maybe you should get the wah pedal and put it in your pedal board, even if you don't plan to use it, because like claiming it, you claimed it, right? So it's on your pedal board. If the other guitar player thinks about getting a wah, he can't. This is a one wah band. That's our new t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one room there's only room in this town for one wall there's only room in this band for one wall pedal and i have it so the one wall band this is a lot of talk about wall <laughs> so i hope you guys are having as much fun as i am <laughs> so all right uh yeah oh oh charles thank you thin lizzie two was okay so here's the problem charles and I think, and I thank you so much for coming up with that or giving that, giving that note, those would become now see, unless we get a lot, remember, those are the exceptions, not the rule. So I think the rule for so far until we come up with something different, the rule is one wall, one wall per band. And of course there'll be exceptions, but I don't know how many exceptions we're going to find. Uh, Thin Lizzy's a good one. So good, good. Uh, again, please guys, even in these comments now or later in the comments, if you guys have suggestions for bands. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Mooney says thin, Liz thin Lizzie was awesome. Yeah. Thin Lizzie is definitely a band that for some reason, uh, you don't think of them too much. And then thin Lizzie actually, for me, I want to say this thin Lizzie is a, a band where you listen to their catalog and you go, Oh, I forgot how many hit great songs they have one after another, another great song, another great song, another great song. And, uh, thin Lizzie is one of those bands. I remember once when I listened to them, really got into them and listened to them for the first time. They were a band like the band U2. I hate to say it, it was a U2 was another band uh, like that for me, where I listened to the catalog, not thinking I was a fan. Like, oh, I'm going to try to experience their music. And you go through the catalog and then you realize, like, I listened to 90 percent of these songs. I knew the lyrics. You don't realize you're a fan. You just didn't pay attention. I, I've had that happen to me with a couple bands where you go, wow, I don't think of myself as a diehard fan. But now uh, listening to the catalog, I realize I like I've listened to it all and I've been listening to it. Um. So again, we'll have to keep, uh, we'll have to keep, uh, we'll have to keep the wall, uh, and the bands with was, we'll have to keep thinking of them. Okay. Let me go to a pin question. Cause it's, 
there's a uh, 600 of us and it's moving a little fast. So let me see if I can go to something a little slower, get my focus. Um, Nathan Sonye, <sighs> Nathan, <laughs> uh, Nathan, if you guys don't know, Nathan's my buddy. He, uh, I, uh, you know what? You send me a text, Nathan. Uh, I hope you end up getting the, uh, the job, but in the meantime, Nathan is who buffs, uh, PRS is. He works at PRS. He's a friend of mine. He used to live in Arizona. He moved all the way to Maryland to buff guitars for Paul Reed Smith guitars. Um, and he is, uh, in my opinion, their best employee and amazing guy. And, uh, I'm not just saying that hey, Nathan, it says, have you, ch uh, haven't checked out the live stream in a while. Oh, well, thanks Nathan. After I just gave you all those accolades, you're going to be like, ah, oh, who's this Phil McKnight guy? Anyways, just put, <laughs> he says, I just picked woods for my 2408 10 top. Um, I'm stoked. Uh, thoughts on Bosco, uh, France joining LPD. So what he's talking about, two things. He's an employee. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this, but Nathan didn't tell me this. That's something I know on my own. Um, PRS employees, I think when they hit the two year mark of being employed at Paul Reed Smith, they get to build or get a guitar. They get to make a guitar and there's all, there's restrictions and rules and stuff, but it's an, it's a perk of, of being a PRS employee is that, you know, if you make it two years and so, you know, at Paul Reed Smith guitars, this sounds like a plug for Paul Reed Smith. It's really just a plug for Nathan. Um, because of what I'm going to say next, most people do not make it at PRS guitars because most everybody starts in the buffing department. And so you basically eight hours a day are buffing guitars all day, uh, getting caked in that compound. And, uh, you do that forever and ever and ever and ever until one day they let you out of that room and get you into a different department of the company. So that two year mark is a very important, uh, mark. So congratulations, Nathan, for getting caked and all that buffing compound. By the way, if anyone ever has a problem with their PRS and it's not buffed correctly, I'll give you Nathan's email. And, uh, <laughs> on the second note, that's cool. 24, eight. And, uh, my thoughts on Bosco France. All I saw was Bosco France did a, a video where he showed the, uh, the, uh, 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 Gila, the Gila fuzz from on his uh, Facebook. I thought the video was good. It sounded great as Bosco always does. So that's cool. And I think it's cool that he's, uh, uh joining the LPD family. That's Lawrence Petros designs. Uh, if you guys, you know, uh, Nathan is, a um, Nathan lived here in Arizona for a while. So he knows Lawrence like I do from, from him being local. Uh, Hannah Gunson says, ha, so how are you doing? Uh, Hannah, I'm doing good. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> You know, it's funny. No one's ever just flat out said, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't have any much more to say about that. Um, okay, so let's go to another question uh, or another comment. What else can we talk about? Uh Okay, you guys are talking back and forth, but I kind of like what you're talking about. Corey said, some people buy high-end Les Pauls as their first guitar. High-end guitars are easier to play. PRS wouldn't be a worst first guitar, a worst choice. Uh, that's a good, interesting uh, uh, thought. There, there is there is the... Uh, the reason I pointed this out is because I'm sure it's... This is communication you guys are talking back and forth on the, on the, on the chat. But I, I like that statement because that is always a question of, you know, how much did you spend for your first guitar? And, um, I heard this thing once and I always thought it was interesting, which is every penny you spend, every penny you add to the first purchase of a guitar will give you more value in most cases. Now, of course, 
you know, that's not entirely true. If you, that doesn't, that doesn't stack up. If you buy a $10,000 guitar for your first guitar is a great choice. But what I love about that idea is that basically it says, Hey, if you buy a $200 guitar for your first guitar, you're doing fine. But if you buy 250, you're doing, it's a better idea and 300 and so on. It's an interesting idea. Keep in mind on this channel, I like to talk about these ideas and I like to say them, whether they're my ideas or ideas I even believe in or think they're accurate. I like sharing the things I've heard or the things we've talked about. Um, because I don't think that's a wrong thing to do, uh, buying a high-end guitar for your first guitar. Sure wouldn't hurt. So, <laughs> in fact, maybe that's the bigger question. Does buying, does buying, is your buying your first guitar as a very expensive guitar, does that hurt you as a guitar player? Does anyone believe, that's what I'm curious right now. You guys put in the comments right now. Does anyone believe that they spent $2,000 for their first guitar? Now, keep in mind, not everybody has $2,000. Absolutely, that's a crazy amount of money. But, but, but seriously, we're talking about somebody who's got the cash, right? They got $2,000. There's worse things, right, uh, to buy. They buy their first guitar. Is that a mistake? I want to hear the argument that says why buying an expensive guitar as your first guitar is a horrible mistake. Um, I, uh, Ian says, buy one used first to practice. Again, I understand the, the why you would want to... Think of this. Even if you bought a $2,000 guitar, we could argue... Don't buy a $2,000 new guitar, buy a $3,000 used guitar and for $2,000. Again, um, that's not the question. The question is, is there a negative to buying a high-end guitar as your first guitar? <laughs> right? I'm curious because you know what it is? Some of you players out there have ha have some always some interesting ideas that I've never considered. Yeah. Uh, so the great Brian's saying it's a mistake to buy a $150 guitar first. I think, um, BX Silva says better playability won't outgrow the instrument. In other words, if you buy a high end guitar again, uh, I, I agree. Um, but I'm looking for the counter argument and dagger blue says thousand dollars in my personal hard limit for any guitar. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, uh, I mean, I understand that too. I understand limits, but again, that's not what we're arguing. We're arguing why somebody would not, what would be the negative effect of buying an expensive guitar first? And that's what I'm trying to think of. I don't know what the negative effect would be. I, I can't rationalize that if a guitar is too easy to play when you start out, that's bad. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's like, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, it depends. I think sometimes on our age too, right? Uh, my favorite... <laughs> My favorite, uh, uh, you know, you got to start out the hard way kind of story is when I was learning to drive when I was a kid, I was told you were supposed to learn on a stick shift. That's the way you do it because, you know, the world, you won't always have access to an automatic uh, transmission and uh, you have to drive stick. And the funny story about that is, is I, I, I learned to drive a stick and then I joined the army and I thought this is where it's going to pay off because none of my friends had a, a stick shift. All of them had automatics. I had an automatic transmission in my, in my Jeep. And uh, when I joined the army, I was like, oh, well, here you go. I'll drive a stick in the army in the army and the United States army is all automatic. <laughs> so that'll tell you guys, uh, those of you guys who are in the, served in the military, that'll tell you when I served, because some of you guys are going to be like, what? That's not true. But trust me, if you served anything post 1993, 94, uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> there's no stick shifts in the military, uh, not in the army. Okay, so. Ah, Dirt Racer X says, you won't learn how to upgrade your crappy Chinese pickups if you buy nice first. 
<laughs> you know, I understand the comment in there and I kind of like where you're going with this. There would be the angle there would be if you buy too high end of a guitar, uh, maybe like buying an, uh, your first car is too nice of a first car, really nice car. Maybe there's no, there's nothing, no incentive to learn about the guitar, fix things. I can see that ar argument. Um, so yeah, those are good thoughts. Okay. Uh, Scott wants to know, what does Scott want to know? He wants to know what's my thoughts on the ESP USA M1. Well, that's an awesome guitar. Uh, I'd never see them anymore. I go on reverb. I find myself more and more not going on eBay. I don't know why. I think eBay has secretly some secret stuff that you never see on reverb, but I find myself, it's just so easy to search on reverb. Uh, I go on there and I type in like, I, like this, I'll put in ESP USA on reverb and it will pull up all the guitars on, you know, eBay. You got to go and literally go into the category guitar. Otherwise it pulls up weird, you know, like dishwashers that are called ESP or whatever. And uh, so back to your, uh, your comment, uh, what's my thoughts on it? That's a guitar I've never owned. I've always wanted to ESP. I, I feel I, when we do these podcast live shows, you know, obviously 108, you're going to repeat yourself. Something I'm going to repeat again on this, but it's been a while. ESP is a brand. Hamer is another one. Those are brands when I was getting into guitar that you never saw in person. They didn't exist. I never saw them. Um, the uh, ESP was like, oh, Queensryche had them. And I loved Queensryche. And uh, George Lynch had them. And of course, I was a huge Doc and George Lynch fan at the time. And those those bands were great. And, and I wanted an ESP or I wanted to see an ESP. And you just never saw them. So the first time I saw ESP in person was an actual LTD. I walked in the guitar center once and uh, all of a sudden there was ESPs everywhere. And I was like, what's this, <laughs> right? What is going on? And then that's when you figure out, no, these are LTDs. And I'm like, oh, these are not ESPs, whatever that means. Uh, so the only ESP I've ever owned is I had a George Lynch Kamikaze for a short time ESP. And uh, it was a maple body and it was heavy and uh, it was cool, but it, you know, it, it, it had its moment with me and it, it moved on. Uh, in fact, um, I sold it to my buddy who still has it. But, uh, that being said, uh, USA M1, I don't think I've ever even touched one. I don't even think I've ever set one up. I don't think, I don't even think one's come across my bench. Uh, if it has, it was a one time many years ago and I just don't remember. So, uh, that's my thought. Love, love the guitar. Just never touched them. All, all I've touched is the LTD, uh, LTD versions. Uh, but it's a guitar that I, I think I would love to check out. Um, I assume it's going to play like a Jackson and Ibanez, all these high-end kind of guitars we, we know from back in the day. Um, it's just cool, you know, and they look cool. Uh, Robert says, Robert Davidson says, how to fix a jam strat truss rod. Whoa. Okay. Jammed. I, I don't understand the concept of what you're saying. When you say jammed, I'm thinking you mean like it's stripped because I can't imagine what you would jam up in the truss rod. Um, so I'm going to say the term that you're using jammed is more of a slang. Like it's just messed up how to fix a messed up truss rod. I'm going to go with that truss rods, unless it's snapped the end off, which can happen. Generally they get stripped. Um, there, uh, you can take that to, if you have a, 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 a truss rod, how to fix a jammed truss rod. Well, uh, on a strat, 
you should take it to a, a, a repair person or a luthier who knows what they're doing because in a lot of cases we have i have one too we have a, a tool that i can get in there and grab it and i can pull the end off and and replace that and sometimes you can replace the end of the truss rod and uh, that will help a lot uh save it what i will tell you is this these are those are the kind of repairs especially on a live you know kind of broadcast thing like this where i want to be very uh, very clear stuff like this if you notice you can hear my tone in my voice it makes me nervous because the more you mess with it the harder it's going to be for somebody who knows what they're doing to fix it so every little thing you do now is going to make the situation worse so the first thing you do if you think it's is take it to a credible place that you feel that you you feel like they're an honest worker work and and have them look at it um because Truss rods, in my experience, a lot of times when they get something wrong with them, they could be fixed. And it, but, but some people have just messed with them just a little too much, and then they took it too far to recover. And once you can't recover it, it's I mean, no, it's never worth ripping the fretboard off and putting in a new truss rod. Um, not, not never. Never is not the word. The majority of us. It's not going to be feasible for the majority of us with normal price guitars. So there you go. So take it there. Uh, and again, it's not important that you get there in a hurry. It's just important you stop messing with it. <laughs> or, or uh, I should say this too, uh, Robert, if you take pictures and send it to me, ask knowyourgear at gmail.com, uh, I can give you some response, uh, you know, a quick response like, hey, this is what I see. Just send it to me and just put, you know, put the in the subject, something refers back to this. Let me know. I'd be curious to see it too. I'm curious to see. Maybe I can share that with the audience later. So there you go with that. Uh, <laughs> Aaron says, how's it going? I knew I knew as soon as Hannah said that, everybody's going to say, how's it? How you doing? How's it going? Uh, okay. Uh, okay. We. Yeah, Rex says, hey, missed out on a Hamer Steve Steven signature model in hot, hot pink. Someone beat me to it. Uh, yeah those were the those guitars and they've they've skyrocketed in price anything with steve stevens on it okay uh uh boys i and here here you go uh boris boris jaraz jaros i'm sorry buddy what do you think of marshall code amps uh the only reason i want to answer this is because if you haven't noticed uh the marshall code amps are on clearance. I saw them on clearance at a bunch of places. Sweetwater was one. I think a musician's friend was the other. So if you've been thinking about getting a code, I saw them on super deals out there. So I'm sure it's either the end of the line for that amp line or they're not moving well. But uh, but uh, I like them. I like the code I played. I thought it was a good amp. Sounded good, played good. Um, you know, it's a modeling amp. I'm not a huge modeling amp fan. Let's just, you know, I'll say it there. Um, if I was going to buy a modeling amp, I would probably buy the Katana over the Code. But I like the Code more than, let's say, the Fender Mustang. So there you go. And right now, if the, because the prices are sweet, that's why I thought the good idea to answer the question. I assume you're asking because you're thinking about it. Here's my suggestion to you. If it's uh, if I'm one saying is correct and there's deals out there, uh, I'd say pick one up. If you're thinking it's a good, it's good enough for me to recommend at the deals I saw. So like I said, if the deals are out there. 
uh brian says i don't think they sold very well people don't think digital and marshall in their in their mind yeah i you know what it is i it could you could be totally right brian that's absolutely a great assessment um my assessment also would be at to add to that is i think the modeling things are just there's just too many of them too many too much competition and i really think uh katana just knew how to slam it when it came to marketing, social marketing, uh, store marketing, you know, they took up a lot of the sales. And, and so, you know, this seems to be the trend over and over and over again, when it comes to this platform, which is the digital modeling, uh, affordable price uh, amp market, there always seems to be a winner at any, any given moment. Uh, so for a while it was like crate. And then after crate, it was line six. And then after line six, it was like PV for a little while. And then after PV, um, you know, maybe it was, uh, well, then it was Fender. Then the Fender Mustangs came in and they were just like punch the first series of Mustangs punching everybody out. And then code comes, right? There's always a, there's always, uh, there's always a lot of competition. It seems getting worse, but there's always one that seems to be dominating the market. And I think for, for now it's Katana. I think they are, they're doing it and probably, so, you know, just to, just to be fair, probably, uh, Mustang by Fender is either either the same, equal, or close. Just because I know Fender is always dominant when it comes to volume of units sold, so I can't imagine Katana's outselling Mustang volume of units. I but I'm talking about popularity amongst us in these conversations. I think Katana is the more popular choice. Although I bet you, if we were to look at hard numbers from all those companies, I would not be shocked to hear that Mustang is the number one seller, just because Fender's always got that slot kind of wrapped up. Um. Okay. Jeremy says, thanks for the show. You're welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for hanging out with me on Friday. Says Phil, I feel like uh, it's a weekly gear addiction to AA. Yeah. I, sometimes I don't know if we're helping each other or making it worse. <laughs> I think maybe sometimes we need to have somebody who's not into gear hanging out, maybe to give us all clear, <laughs> clear, clear ideas on maybe, uh, you know, staying away from this stuff. Only instead of trying to cure it. Ah, I see. I got to stop answering before I finish reading. Uh, we reinforce each other's habit. Yeah, I agree, Germany. Uh, Jeremy, I think uh, I think we sometimes are making things worse um, and not better. But you know, there could be worse things for us to do on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> By far, I, I think without any 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 kind of a stroke of the imagination. Neil says, "Hey, Phil." <clears throat> Excuse me, buddy. Uh, wondering if you or any of the group own an Ibanez RG ten seventy basswood body. Uh, I think it says Panga, Maple, Walnut, Purple Heart, 11-piece neck, opinion, please. Well, buddy, I have to look because, as Aggie Fish has once pointed out once, Ibanez cannot name a guitar. Um, and even being probably the biggest Ibanez fan you can be, um, I, even I can't remember the models and until I see them. So I know them. Uh, so this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me share with everybody. And so that the people on the podcast can go. For the price I paid, you should be able to describe it to me, which they didn't pay anything. So I'll describe it anyways. Here it is. Uh, oh, I love this model. Um, I played this model at Git, GitCon, the first GitCon in 2017. And uh, if I recall correctly, I was like, oh, I got to have this guitar. But I think they shipped that model to Henning Polly. And I think he got it. And uh, I wasn't able to try to buy it in time. And I wanted one, but I wanted that one because it played amazing. And I, I get weary of, um, whenever I play a guitar and it's fantastic, I do not like to order that guitar because my experience tells me that I will order one like it and it won't be like the one I played. Um, so that's what I happened. So that guitar, I, the one I played was amazing. I love the look. I'm an Ibanez guy. That's for sure. 
so take that with a grain of salt because I'm really pro Ibanez as I own many of them. Uh, and I've always been, in fact, Ibanez is my first, was my first high-end guitar I ever owned. And um, I think to this day, although Fender's close, I think the most guitars I own of any particular brand is Ibanez. But Fender's always close. Uh, so there you go. Uh, average Revolution. Sure. That's cool. At least I could read it. Thank you, Average. <laughs> Average Revolution says, I was wondering if PRS would be too high-end for my first electric. No, man. I don't know if high-end is the right thing. You know, your first electric guitar, in the new world of where we buy online, it's a tricky thing for me to answer, man. I'm still hardcore. As much as I, like, I'm like i on the internet, we're talking on the internet, You know, I should praise the internet, but the truth is nothing beats going up and picking up a guitar and just feeling it for a second. Uh, Average, just go to a store pick it's your first guitar go to a store pick up guitar don't don't worry about anything don't worry about you know if you want to hear how the guitar sounds ask the salesperson to play it for you and listen to it but pick up the guitar i love this because i love it when people when you hand a, a someone who's never played guitar a guitar and you go what do you think and they go well, I, I don't know i've never played it and they go no 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 you don't play it you hold it how does it feel is it comfortable and they go and they and you'll say well i don't know and i say well you do pick up five guitars so it's not about picking up a guitar everybody who picks up their first guitar picks up a guitar and says i don't know what i'm looking for and i always say now pick up four more and by the fifth one i guarantee you you'll look back and go okay three was horrible two was okay four was nice but one pretty good you know what i mean you start they give you reference hold them uh, put your hand around the neck, kind of just sit with it. So that's what you do. Um, so I don't recommend a brand to anybody. I don't recommend PRS or Fender or Gibson as your first guitar, Epiphone, Squire. I recommend that you pick up guitars. And then what's great is don't worry about price either. Just pick up guitars, pick up some guitars, find the guitar you like. Then once you find the guitar you like, then find, find the price that suits your needs. In other words, so if you pick up a $3,000 guitar, I don't know why you would grab that, but if you do and you love it, trust me, there's another guitar out there that feels like that, that is a lot less money. So that's how you find it. That's how you do it. Um, and that's the way I've seen it work the best. I think with, the more you try to calculate how this is going to work out, it's not going to work out. Um, because it, it, you can do all, all that. Maybe that's the problem with the first guitar being the most expensive guitar is that if you're trying to kind of mathematically figure out that if you buy an expensive guitar as your first guitar, you'll be right. I don't think that's how it's going to work. You need to touch the guitars. So, and like I said, do a half a dozen, six guitars at least. So I'm curious to see, I always like to see what you guys think if you've had similar experiences. So I, uh, I, uh, my first guitar was, uh, it was just because it was the only guitar in the store that price. Uh, uh, JB player was my first guitar. I literally went into a music store and it was the only guitar in the, it was the probably the single, either the cheapest guitar in the store, or the second cheapest guitar in the store. And it was just in my price range. And so if that's, if that's what you have, that's what you have, you know, use what you got. But if you have the luxury to kind of poke around and check prices and see what you like, pick up some guitars. Uh, Okay, Michael wants to know, Phil, why no love for vintage amps and guitars? Keep doing what you do. Thanks. Uh, it's not that I don't have love for vintage guitars and amps. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't value them the way other players value them. And so, let me give you an example of this. Uh, somebody will pick up a '60 Strat, 1963 Strat, 
right? Perfect example. They pick up a strat, or 62 strat, doesn't matter. Just pick a year. They pick up a strat and they go, man, this is awesome. And I, no matter, it's just like, to me, vintage is no different than high-end guitars. In the idea that it's not that I don't like guitars that are old, and it's not that I like guitars that are new or anything like that. It's that I have a comfort zone of what I will pay for a guitar, and vintage guitars just aren't in that comfort zone. If you look at my personal collection of guitars, although I do have some expensive guitars, they're, they're here for sure. Um, those guitars are in the highest end that I buy. They're in the lowest end of vintage guitars. So when I look at a guitar that's expensive, vintage guitars start above that. So it's first, uh, it just prices me out of the market. And amps work the same way. So, you know, when I pick up, uh, play a traditional amp uh, or a vintage amp and I, and I love it, Again, it's priced usually right above where I consider my top end of my price range to be. So there you go. Now, I will, I do want to make this clear. I'm not afraid of vintage guitars, but I am afraid of vintage amps. And what I mean by that is if I buy a vintage guitar and it has damage or it needs work, I don't worry about that because I go, I'll just do the work myself. Or if it's that crazy, you, you can imagine I have a few friends that are in the, let's just say they're some of the better known luthiers in the country. So I have not only resources to have it taken care of, I can do most of it myself too. However, a vintage amp, I worry sometimes like not only the price of it, but then it, they need work. A lot of them need work. It's like vintage cars. They just need work and you gotta, you know, so, um, so yeah, it's not that I have a, a love or just, uh, or no love of them. I just, it's again, it's usually price. If you were to, it, trust me, if I was to walk across a vintage guitar that had a great deal and a great time, I'd do them. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would kind of, you know, maybe think about it, but it's crazy. Uh, hold on a second. Gotta take a drink before I lose my voice. Okay. Uh, BJ Denial says, "Won't the why won't chat let me chat? What did I get blocked somehow? I see you fine, buddy. But let me know if uh, if you're using something else won't let you see it. I see you. Your chat. Uh." Yeah, it says, I've seen vintage amps that were outrageously priced that didn't even work. Yeah, you know, it's funny is, uh, Ed, that's a great comment because I, I tried a, uh, you know, as you guys know, I like a Princeton and I thought, you know, and Princeton's a little tricky because Princeton's, unlike a lot of the Fender amps, uh, some are like this, but most are not. Princeton amps really would drive you crazy because as you go through the years, the Princeton's are different. They're different in their features. They're different models. They're just called Princeton's. Um, and I played a few vintage Princeton's because I'm like, maybe that's what I need. And like he kind of mentioned, I look at the price tag and go, Ooh, it's a little pricey, but maybe it's worth it. I plug it in. It's like, and shorten out and problems. I'm like, ah, oh, this is, this is expensive and a problem. So yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, I like said, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I try to ask myself if I had a lot more money would that would who I turn into when I turn into a vintage, vintage guy, maybe, I don't know. You never know until you're there, but I, I just don't see it. Um, okay, next uh, next question was uh, from uh, Dagger Blue. Dagger, Dagger Blue. Dagger Blue says, picked up a Schecter C1. It has new pickups in it. Uh, thing is, they got them reversed, bridge and neck. How much better will it get by swapping them back? Okay, so yeah, the the, the issue, of course, is that they switched his bridge neck and, and or sorry, bridge neck, his bridge pickup and neck pickup. So essentially what the problem is, is now your lower output pickup is by your bridge and your higher output pickup is by your neck. Um, 
how much better it will get. It's not going to get better. It's just going to be different. Um, think of it like Eddie Van Halen. Wolfgang pickups generally come with the neck having more output than the bridge. That's something Eddie likes, I assume, because that's why they're like that. Um, me personally, I, I've been notoriously uh, known amongst my friends to do this. I will put a lot of pickups in my guitars are both bridge pickups. I use the same pickup in both positions. So I just like it that way. So um, I don't think it's going to get better. What I, what I, if I was going to guess, I would imagine that your bridge will have a little less gain or a little less push pushing on the amp, but it's going to sound a little thinner because it's higher output. And the neck is uh, going to, it's probably got a singing sweet distortion for leads, but on the cleans, it's probably clipping the amp a little bit or pushing the amp a little bit. I don't want to say clipping, but pushing the amp a little bit. So different. I don't know. Could you swip, swap them back? Yeah, it would be fun. Sure. Uh, but if it was me, would I worry about it? If you like the way the guitar sounds, I think it's fine. So I wouldn't. In other words, if you like the way it sounds, if you're asking me, you like the way it sounds, are you missing anything? I'm going to say no. If you don't like the way it sounds, should you try and see if that will fix it? I say yes. There you go. Alex says ESP E2 Eclipse DB used for one, uh, $1,200. Is it worth it? Uh, I don't know what their current value is, Alex, but uh, that sounds reasonable. But I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not doing that based on anything. I was looking at the E2s. I remember I was saying, I'm not kidding. I said, I look at e uh, ESP guitars online on reverb a lot. I've been looking at the E2 and the E2s I've been looking at used are about 1200 bucks. So I would imagine the ESPs have to float in there as well. I can't imagine the E2s being worth uh, more than the ESPs, but again, uh, so sounds good. But again, there's a ton of resources. As you know, you could go to eBay if you don't know this. I think most people know this, but of course, Alex, let's make sure everybody does know it. If you type in that model, oh, you know what? Let's do it. Okay, so uh, let's, Alex, we're going to check right now and I'm going to share with you guys. We're going to go to eBay. I don't like reverb for checking prices um, because even though reverb gives you a range, um, doesn't really tell you anything. Uh, I use the same method everybody else does. Let me share with you guys right now. For those of you guys, when you listen to the podcast later, I'll try to describe it to you. Maybe whisper like if. So there's some kind of thing on the internet now. Uh, anyways, um, so you go here, you're looking at what I'm looking at. You just go to e uh, eBay, you type in the model, which is what I did right here. You go to where it says completed items are sold items. I'm going to go sold, but I like completed sometimes better than sold because uh, it gives you an idea. And uh, let's find this thing. Oh, right off the, the bat, we're seeing, uh, well, that was an E2. Yeah, E2 Eclipse. Wow, two nine hundred bucks, one nine sixty three, one nine eighty five, one nine seventy. So you're looking at the prices I'm looking at. I don't know exactly what you're looking at. Here's an, here's a nice one, uh, ESP E two Eclipse in a in a some kind of burst finish. Looks like a thousand eighty two is what it went for with sixty three dollars shipping. So that would put it at what you're talking about, close to. But everything sound looks a lot less than your. Uh, than what you're finding it for. So uh, based on this, I mean, here's one that went from 18, but I don't know if that's new or not. We could go into the auction and look. But that being said, that's where I look. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you do that. And of course, there's always somebody out there who's a little more savvy than the rest of us. If you know a better idea, put that in the notes. That's always helpful to the rest of us to learn the new trick. Um, I've been using that now for since eBay started, so it works for me. Uh, Reverb does, okay, so uh, Count Feedback says Reverb lets you look at sold items also now. Oh, great. 
that's good to know because i've looked i looked i didn't see that but um i always use the range thing so either way uh and thank you count feedback for uh for for doing that it's always that's what's awesome about this hopefully during these conversations at the every friday uh all of us can learn something together and i i love it because i feel like half the time i'm learning something um so uh yeah yeah that's that's uh something i would look into that the looking up the price there but so far it doesn't look that great uh surf by surf by says yeah how's the stew mac uh, tweed kit coming it's coming good got some exciting stuff for that what we decided to do oh i don't know if i should tell you guys uh there's three videos coming how about that three more so there's obviously the unboxing the shellac and then uh there's going to be the final build and demo and then there's two other in between that that i was very excited about so those are coming that's why i've been off the radar this week a lot of times a lot of time i've been down in the shop working a lot of working a lot of videoing uh just it's just it's hopefully this will all come to to some some point where you guys get to see it all <laughs> so how about that <laughs> that's that's what i'm hoping okay um uh but and that's kind of what i did after talking to you guys last week when i was telling you guys that it's been i've been kind of putting the videos out on youtube and working trying to get these back catalog videos done and it was wiping me out i just made this this week that's like you know what i'm just gonna focus on that on that thing it seems like you guys seem really more like me more excited about this idea that these videos are gonna come out so let's just get them out get them done um Tillian Mars says, big fan of the channel. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I have 2,000 euros to spend on a Strat. Is it worth spending that much on original or professional? Or should I get the players? Um, again, I hate to say this to you, buddy. You got to kind of pick them up and play them. I, I like the professional the best. That's why there's one right there. Out of all my Strats, including my custom shop, that's my favorite Strat. I don't know why it is. I don't know why it appeals to me, but that's, I'm not saying that. So to tell you that you should get the professional, I'm telling you that to remind you that no matter what the price, no matter what the model, you never know what's going to strike that, that emotional response in you that connects you to the guitar. So the fact that all my strats, the fact, if I listen to the internet, <laughs> which we're listening to the internet right now, I'm the internet. Anyways, uh, when we're listening to the internet, uh, you know, everything's supposed to be the same, right? Strats are all the same, but the truth is I have, I have, like four or five strats and they're all very different to me and um so i would definitely do that but that being said i like professionals and then i really like the player series as well the player series will save you some money but the other the only advice i can give you buddy is the the idea that when somebody says i have two thousand dollars to spend i always tell them I go that's that's great to know what the cap on your budget is but remember i think sometimes we get concerned with ex kind of ex uh, exhausting that budget in other words like oh if you like a guitar that's 700 bucks because you have because let me put it this way the psychological part of this is if you find a guitar you love for 700 bucks your brain will say well i was going to spend 2000 so let's find something for 15 and i'm ahead 500 bucks but really we're ahead 1300 always know what budget you have which you do but don't worry about the budget worry about the guitar find the instrument you love if it comes, if it's 400 bucks, go on a great vacation, man. Uh, take that advice or hold it for something else. I, I, I try to follow that always because I've learned that I get, I like everybody, you get caught up in the budget and then you try to find guitars that fit your budget, right? Like I have $2,000, so I'm going to find the best guitar I can for $2,000. But if you didn't have $2,000 you and you had $1,000, you'd find the best guitar for $1,000. So 
what I'm saying is, is find the guitar that you love and then don't worry about what it costs. If it's out of your budget, then keep looking, go, for, go something like that. Something like that is what I mean. So, uh, and then of course I like the professional <laughs> since, since you asked. Okay. What else do we got? Steve wants you to know, or wants us to know he loves his vintage modified strat. I've always liked the vintage modified ones. Uh, Superjet one, I'm just doing this because why not? It's nice for Lawrence. Superjet one one three says, "Heard nothing but the best for the '68 Deluxe Overdrive." Yeah, I'm a fan of uh, the '68 uh, Deluxe. Um, I do currently now have in my possession the new '74, and I will uh, I'll let you guys know what I think of that soon. <laughs> so uh but yeah they uh so uh so super jet uh what i will tell you is this uh i'll give you the advice i would give uh my my best friend if you were my best friend uh, i love the 68 i i prefer the 68 but what i find is most players prefer the 87 if you're a rock guy definitely think 87 or the 74 if you're a metal guy definitely think the 87 or hard rock guy think that although they do everything the 68 though is great for blues and light rock man it's just fantastic so uh dope that's what's great he's got three poisons and you pick the one that fits the best for you uh, Randy Crooks wants to know what's my thoughts on Washburn acoustics. You know, Washburn acoustics is one of the best selling acoustics. I think in the world, uh, they make good stuff, especially now that they've really focused their, uh, skews in the last couple of years to just the hot sellers. Uh, I think you can't go wrong. I've liked every Washburn acoustic I I've owned. I currently don't wa own a Washburn anymore. I can't really say why. Um, I don't know what it is. I kind of moved a, a different direction when it comes to acoustics and I play a lot of acoustic. I love acoustic guitars. I play them a lot. Uh, some of you guys know my favorite guitar player in the world is an acoustic guitar player. That's Monty Montgomery. So, um, which by the way, I had the greatest thing. That's what I'm gonna tell you guys. I had the greatest thing happen to me. It was awesome. Ralph bought me the Monty Montgomery tab and music book. Um, and so, you know, that's a rare find. So it's super excited. So I set up lessons starting next week. Uh, with one of my favorite guitar teachers and uh, we're going to go through the Monty Montgomery catalog together. And I'm, I'm super stoked about that, man. I'll, I'll give you guys updates on that. I'm, I'm very, very excited about this. So back to Washburn acoustics. Uh, I like them. That's my thoughts on them. Uh, the prices are usually really good, which is another thing, which is great. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. See fool says Martins are awesome. See, that's my problem is I find Martins and Taylors are the thing where when you upgrade to them, the other acoustics, they become a little hard to understand. Electric guitars are not like that. There's no PRS or Gibson or Sir guitar that I've ever played that makes me go, I don't know if I love, you know, a, a Squire now, right. You know, all of a sudden you can't play a Squire. I find like, no, they're just different. High end acoustics though, really make it tough for you to love the lower price acoustics. Acoustic is definitely one of those few things where I say, as you go up, it's hard to go back down because they do get way more complex sounding and they sound fuller while, uh, while they go up in price. So that's one of the things, but I think Washburn for the price are killer guitars. Yeah. Larrabee's are nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, seagulls are nice. I mean, there's tons of nice, uh, nice guitars out there. Uh, Larrabee's are nice. Um, but they are like, they're pricey up there now too. So Okay, uh, let's do a, I'm going to go back since they're all, questions are piling up in every direction. Here we go. Uh, we got, uh, 
68 Mr. Blue says, thoughts on the Carbon B100 head? Keep our cell and get a Marshall? Oh, okay. Uh, keep or sell it and get a Marshall. Marshall. I say get rid of it and get a Marshall. <laughs> Here's why I say that, 68 Mr. Blue. Uh, and I say that with this. If you're thinking about getting rid of it, get rid of it. And the reason is, is I don't, I can't imagine they're going to go up in value. I think carbon amps will continue to go away in value because carbon, the company is no longer making amps. They're making preamp pedals and wirelesses and, and stuff like that. So I think what's going to happen and what I've seen in the past happen is you think, oh yeah, well, they'll become more rare and they'll go up in price, but because they're not making them anymore and they're, you're going to find less and less players are going to start looking for them. So here's what I'm saying. If you like your B100, keep it you like it but if you're thinking about getting rid of it and getting a marshall go ahead and do that now because i think you'll be better off now than waiting later that's my uh gut instinct so share it with you on that doc 8404 says hey phil i was wondering if you saw the pics of my gear attached to our emails about sending you my soul art review also ordered a gym 7v should be here in two weeks i'm glad uh i'm glad i left a pillow and blanket in the shed um Okay, so I didn't. You sent pictures of your of your solar uh, to review. I don't re I don't remember seeing that, buddy. Um, can you send that to me at P McKnight Seven instead of asking your gear with just put Doc eighty four hundred four in the subject, and that way I'll get it directly. I get both emails, no problem. But uh, it's it's how it grabs my attention, right? And I don't mean one gets my attention more than the other. I just know what's what people are sending me in each category. So something like that. Um, I'm really curious. Um, I'm curious to see what you think about your gym seven V as well. So, uh, Jeff Harper says from last week, I was wondering what you thought of the review of the artist tweed tone 20 amp, the Shane and the blues did, you know, I watched that, right. I put the link in there and I watched it and, uh, I was really impressed, especially since I was like, I thought, cause I get the impression that everything in Australia is just really expensive. So I was really shocked that it was really priced right. I thought it was a pretty good amp. I thought it was, uh, you know, I mean, again, from a video and stuff, it didn't compel me to buy one, but I'm not in the market for an amp. So I think if I was in a market for amp and I was trying to hit a budget, I, I liked it enough to where I would see it would, would definitely interest me. So, but I'm not in a, you know, I'm not in the market for an amp right now at all. Not even to review. Uh, cause I got stuff I got going on reviewing and stuff. Uh, Henrik Viking says, is it possible to restain a flame maple top? Want to pimp my old Ibanez? Love your channel. Keep it up. Uh, yeah, you can restrain, uh, restain a guitar cause you can sand the old stain off. Now keep in mind, uh, since you, uh, said Ibanez, old Ibanez, one of my concerns, especially with Ibanez, is that it's probably eight out of 10 chance that it is a veneer. And if it's a veneer, it's not going to have a whole lot to sand off. You can sand through that stuff in seconds. And if you sand through that, or if you sand it too thin, you'll see the grain. If you sand a veneer super, even thinner than it is, you're going to see the grain uh, of the wood underneath it come through it. So is it possible to uh, restain a flame maple? Absolutely. PRS does it every day. You can send old PRSs to PRS and they refinish them. And then, of course, obviously local luthiers and all that stuff too. I'm just giving you a reference because, I mean, they have an actual, Paul Smith Guitars actually has a shop where they just refinish old PRS guitars. If you guys have old finish, you know, if you want, like if you have an old PRS, but you want it stained to be like a new PRS, they'll do that stuff too. Um, almost sounds like an advertisement for them, but trust me, I can care less. Uh, but uh, I'm just giving you the information. The The important part is, uh, yeah, it's a possible restain, restain, 
restain it. Restain the guitar. However, you need to find out if that's a veneer. Uh, if I was if, if if I was you and it was a veneer, I wouldn't do it. it, it you know what I mean? It's tough. Um, because the problem also with the veneer is one of the things that's great about a stain atop is you could take components off and get to somewhere where you can't see it, like a bridge or the side of the maple inside the pickup cavities and sand some of the finish off there and see how it's going to kind of go and see what you're dealing with with a veneer. Cause it's only on the top. There's nowhere for you to sand on it, to see what's going to happen, to see how deep the finish is, in, is into the, into the wood. Um, so I wouldn't do it at me personally. Um, I, you know, so but you could also reach out to someone who actually does finish work for a living. I don't do finish work for a living uh, to see if it's done. But in my experience, it's been almost a no-go. Randy Crooks just did a super chat to say hi and say and say thank you, I guess. or Hi. Hi, Randy. How's it going, buddy? Uh, and then let me go. I know there's some more super chats, but I like to try to get you know as many non-super chats as super chats. Uh, uh, SG Flying V says, are you finished with the Solar now? No, actually, it's still playing it. The question of the day has still been whether or not I'm going to change the pickups in it. Um, I, I like the guitar so much as it is. I just don't know if I want to change pickups. The reality is this. I have some pickups <laughs> that I think will be fun to put in there. I have them. And they sit on my bench, and I think I should put them in there, but I really don't want to mod the guitar. And I'm trying to follow my own advice that I give you guys. If you like it, don't mess with it. I like the Solar stock. I play it all the time. That guitar is one of the first guitars uh, that I've picked up in a while that I just I just love it. I play it all the time. Um, it, I cannot recommend the Solars enough. Uh, and now I've played a few of them now. I really like them. I, I just do. So uh, I really like them. I like Ola too. He's a super nice guy. So, I mean, that doesn't hurt that you like the, the owner and, and he seems nice. And his videos are entertaining. <laughs> this is. Uh, Brian said, must have solar review. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of reviews. I was going through the list today of stuff I have to edit. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel horrible just thinking about all the stuff that needs to come out. It needs to get out. And, you know, I need to get it done. Um. Uh, old guys guitar vlog says you can't redo a veneer. You'll never get the original stain off before getting through the veneer that old guys, uh, guitar vlog. Thank you. Uh, cause again, that's my experience too, that, you know, you're probably don't do this by the way. <laughs> you're probably, it's probably easier to sand the veneer off. <laughs> <laughs> just go to the original wood, the wood that's underneath. I wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying in my, my guess would be, it'd be harder. So yeah. So, and, and like I said, you can check to see if your Ibanez is veneer or not, which is easy to do. You can check. It's one of the simplest ways is take a pickup out. Just take one of the pickups out and look on the side where the pickups routed and look to see if there's an actual maple cap on there, or if it's all some kind of basswood or mahogany or, or poplar or alder, whatever it is, it's going to be a kind of wood. And then there'll be the veneer. Veneers are pretty easy to figure out what they're doing. Um, Bam Mozzie says, Hey, Bam Mozzie says, Ola's soul album was good. I agree. I think it was great. Ah, Donald, Donald, thank you, Donald, to the rescue. Donald W. Reisler says you can re-veneer. Absolutely, you can re-veneer. Um, you know what's funny is that's not only is that true, but we're actually doing a, a kind of a re-veneer on a guitar for one of the Sharp My Axes uh, that we will work on. <laughs> They're just never going to get done. But if it ever gets done, there's <laughs> there's a re-veneer video coming. So good point, good point. Yeah, Um 
We didn't re-veneer. Uh, and actually, I shouldn't say we re-veneer. We did not re-veneer. We veneered a guitar that had a top on it, but not that had a veneer. But yeah, you can put a new veneer on, uh, veneer on it. That's a great suggestion. Thank you. Uh, Metal Freak 2000 says, any copyright issues with the YouTuber for reviews? What I've seen, so you guys know, is that like Robert Baker and Glenn Fricker uh, so far have announced that a few of the copyright issues have been reversed. Um, my experience with YouTube so far is that whatever horrible things YouTube does to you, uh, which I've had done to me many times now, because I've had flag videos, I've had my video shut off, I've had, I've had every, you know, just like everybody else, I've had all the same stuff. Uh, you know, pull my video for review, uh, all that stuff. Uh, you put in your, your, uh, you know, your, your dispute and it takes a little while, but so far, you know, you get it back in the right way. We'll keep hoping that's what happens for everybody. Um, it's a very tough gig that way. You know what I mean? Cause you never know. You know what I mean? Uh, copyright strikes are very dangerous because of the fact that essentially think about channels, our size. I know you guys think of my channel as a large size, but a channel of my size, something to be very aware of. Literally, if I was to get, uh, let's say, a half a dozen copyright strikes, I could lose three, four, five, six months of what I make could be taken because of the, you know what I mean? Because as, as pointed out many times, what will probably get copyright striked is your bigger videos. And so since the extreme of small channels like ours, and I know, again, it doesn't look like we're I'm a small channel, but in the grand scheme of YouTube, I am. And the idea that, yeah, I have a video that has 2 million views, but then I have a video that has 10,000 views. So if I get 20 videos that have 10,000 views that don't get hurt, but the one 2 million does, that literally just takes you down like dominoes. So um, again, you do your best. I think the lesson that I hope everybody learns from this, especially you newer YouTube channels is this, and I'll, I'll reiterate this from last week. Do the best you can to make sure you don't use copyright material. Anytime you can make sure you don't use it. If you don't have any reason to use anything that's copyrighted, whether it's a picture, a video, uh, you know, a, a, a logo, uh, audio, don't use it. Try not to use any of it. I've, I, as I've created my channel, I've literally became more aware each time that you know it needs to be 100% my own. And uh, I've done as much as I can to do that. And I keep continuing that. And I think that's the smart move for the future. And then in the past, you know, you, it is what it is. You hope that it doesn't, you know, no, nothing comes back to kick you. But again, YouTube is a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's the wild west, man. Who knows what's going on out there? Okay. So, uh, do, 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 uh, that's a, I love it when you guys ask me a question, but I literally can't answer it because of them. I have something happening that's I can't answer it. <laughs> so I just so I'll leave it at that. Uh, Steve Long says, "Hey Phil, thinking about getting a GraphTech Ghost system for acoustic sound on my Jim Junior. Not selling, not selling. Is it worth it?" Uh, Steve, uh, hopefully I will have this resolved. It feels like I, I finally have time to start doing it. I installed a GraphTech system into a guitar for a Sharp Max video, and I'm having a problem with the system um, now. Keep in mind, it could be user error, but which I'm totally, totally fine with, man. If I make a mistake, you know, people make mistakes. No one's perfect. That's a silly idea. But I've installed like a dozen ghost systems. Oh, and I'm being nice. Maybe two dozen. So I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. I've tested all the things and I'm still having a problem with it. Um, GraphTech uh, gave me the contact number for someone who's going to help me with it. I will reach out to them. In fact, that will be Monday's priority to do that and get that done. Steve, that will help you because I could I, then after doing that, I can give you um, 
uh, some feedback on it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we should do it. Uh, I've done them in the past. I've always liked them. They don't seem to hurt the value of a guitar too much, uh, especially a Jim Jr. I would, I would imagine you're not going to get the money back out of the guitar uh, if you sell it. I know you're saying you're not selling it, but I'm just telling you not to worry about that. Uh, is it worth it? Yeah, I think it's worth it if you want that. Um, what I plan to do, would, Steve, would it help you? I've always thought about doing this. Would it help you if I did a video comparison, an acoustic simulator pedal to an acoustic piezo, to a piazzo, piezo, whatever the hell system that no one says I say right, no matter how many times from time. I say it different every time just to see what you guys do. And every time somebody tells me it's wrong. So, so you know, I, I purposely say it different every time just to see what people do. But anyways, would it help if I did a comparison video? I always thought about doing that as a video. I thought it'd be fun. I have both the boss acoustic pedal uh and the um and a, a, a piazzo system so let's see if uh let's see if um a comparison video will help uh let's see what else do we got how are we doing on time we're doing we're a little over but that's okay we got a couple questions yeah see piezo <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to share this with you, even though I, <laughs> I, when I did the official, how do you say, this is true. So you guys know when I did the official, how you say video, which I'll put a link since I'm mentioning it uh, a couple years ago, a year ago, I went to the NAMM show and asked companies how they say their name. Do you know, I asked everybody at the NAMM show, including all kinds of companies that work with these systems. And how do you say that name? And not only did I not get anybody to do it? Everybody flat out told me they don't want to even try. Cause no matter what you say, you're told you say it wrong. So, uh, okay. D Detwiller says, what part of Arizona do I live in? The hot part. And that sounds like a joke. It's not because not all Arizona is hot. Northern part of Arizona is pretty awesome. <laughs> so I live in the Southern part of Arizona. I live in Phoenix and Phoenix is hot. So look at this. Pizo, Pizio, Pizio. Yeah, I said it that way too. I don't care. Uh, Mike, I don't know what to tell you, Mike. Mike says, I want an N4, but I don't have uh, $1,500 to $2,000. What should I do? Buy an N2? <laughs> That's, you know, get an N2. Um, you know what, dude? The actually, answer on an N4 is simple. Go on reverb every day or put it, put that you put the thing, you can put the thing where it tells you every time somebody lists one. There's a deal. I've seen them go for less than those, the, you know, uh, you won't get it for 500 bucks, but you can get it for 12. I've seen them go for a thousand to 1200 bucks. <laughs> uh, BC rich eight, 581 says Flagstaff is nice. Phoenix is Tatooine from star Wars. Yes, that is, that is, uh, that is accurate. Except for Flagstaff's uh, not nice in the wintertime because it's snow. If you don't like snow, I don't like snow. Um, Okay, uh, let's go to a, a pin question. How are we doing on that? Uh, the next one is from Bob Crosley. Hey, Bob, what's up, buddy? Uh, Bob wants to know, only downside to an expensive first guitar is you might not get the right guitar for your style. You end up paying, oh, you end up playing most, but I'd take that over a cheap Squire knockoff. I started with Happy Friday. Bob, that is a great, great great comment that is the negative because i was asking what is the downside to buying an expensive guitar as your first guitar and his answer is actually fantastic the downside of buying expensive guitar for your first guitar is not that it won't be great what if you don't like the way it sounds or feels and now you spend all that money 
That is a perfect, perfect answer. See, I love a counter argument to one, one side. Where everybody likes to argue, I just like to hear everybody's opinion so I can just make a decision. That's it. Uh, based on that, Bob, I think that's a good argument. I would definitely, using that logic, I would not recommend somebody buy an expensive guitar as their first guitar. I would say, you know what, maybe buy something and then keep some money. In fact, I might even say a better suggestion than spending $2,000 on your first guitar, if you had $2,000, was to spend a couple hundred dollars and then bank that money. And after you've been playing for a while, then purchase that expensive guitar with some more experience. See, that's how you come up with a great answer. You have a conversation. Steve Hunter says, thanks, Phil. Appreciate the channel. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you uh, just uh, hitting the tip jar there. Uh, Pedro says, Pedro Flores says, need to replace the neck on my Squire Tele Custom. It's beat to death, but sentimental. I understand that. Uh, had it and worked on it for 10 years. Any recommendations? Thank. Thanks. Yeah, um, well, the to me, the thing about when you say Squire Tele, keep this in mind. Uh, you can buy a Squire for the price of a neck. In other words, if you look at most necks, whether it be aftermarket Fender necks or Warmoth necks or even some of the nicer Mighty Might necks, when you look at most Telecaster necks on the market, aftermarket necks, they are going to be priced, even at the low end, of what a Squire guitar goes for. So what I'm telling you, Pedro, is... Just like the car industry, we cannibalize it, right? You you buy yourself a Telecaster and cannibalize it. So here's something you can do. You could buy a Telecaster, find one you like with a nice neck, buy that one, put that neck on the sentimental guitar, take the neck from the sentimental guitar, put it on the other Telecaster body and hang that. So now you have not only the guitar that you're sentimentally attached to, but the neck that you're sentimentally attached to is now something you can reminisce with. That's my suggestion to you is, uh, and so, you know, I think that's a more common thing than, uh, than not. I find a lot of times I've suggested that many times that sometimes instead of buying parts, you can buy guitars and cannibalize them. It works the same way as the auto industry. This, you know, right. You can buy, uh, salvage cars and literally get the parts off them for way cheaper than you could ever buy the parts, uh, new. So keep that in mind, uh, Pedro, you have more options than sometimes, you know, Reggie, uh, Wooten. Hey, Reggie, it's good to see you, man. You, you're always active every week. Thank you, buddy. He says, love the show. Thanks. He just did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Reggie. I always appreciate you commenting and stuff. And Joseph, uh, peoples also just did a super chat. Uh, you guys are awesome. I appreciate that. Let's get some, um, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get some non super chat questions. Uh, Okay, <laughs> Shaman Blues, in all caps, would like us to know, <laughs> why the heck is Fender making Squires so well and so affordable? What's their angle? Well, I did that video, you know, five Squires that I think are better than Fenders for that reason, um, which is funny because I don't think sometimes people, you know, you don't understand the concept of a video and when I make it. But the concept of that video was as simple as, I thought that was strange. Why put so much effort into the Squire line? What was, what, what's going on? Are they trying to soup up the Squire line sales? Or is there a big renovation coming to the Fender line? Uh, and uh, you know what? I think that's probably the more probable concept. I think that the reason why the Squires have been really juiced up with bone nuts and, and nickel plated parts and better pickups, the Alnico uh, um, uh, five pickups and stuff is I think we're going to see a continuation to be revamping the Fender lineup. Right. And, uh, and so you never heard the top, you ever heard the saying, you know, renovate it from top to bottom or take it from top to bottom. I think there's going bottom 
the top. They're just going to renovate that way. So maybe that's how the budgets are allocated. Maybe the guys who were in the squire department got a budget and the fender guys didn't get the same kind of budget or they used the budgets to renovate the lens differently. But that's my answer. But yeah, the squire stuff, man. By on the spec list, just reading the specifications and then reading those prices did not make sense. It really takes a lot away. The other thing that is something really worth noting that I saw a YouTuber, and I wish I could give them credit because I'm trying to think of the YouTuber. <sighs> Come on, I always hate it. If I, I try, if I watch a video to try to do the shout out of the channel that I was talking about it. Hold on a second. Give me a second, guys. Um, I can't remember. I'm so horrible. I'm sorry. Uh, if I do, I'll put it in the, I'll put the link to the video if I can think of it when I'm doing the index. The point is a YouTuber that was reviewing some Harley Bentons made a comment that Harley Benton is causing uh, the industry to kind of up their game, uh, that the, this squire is getting so many modifications and so many upgrades would be some kind of evidence of that statement, right? That if, you know, Harley Benton's going to put out great guitars for 150 bucks, squire can't be at $300 and be the same specs, right? You have to read down and go, okay, Harley, uh, Harley Benton's got the plastic nut, you know, the cheaper tuning keys, cheaper pickups. And then the squire, of course, at double the price has better components. Even squires brand, behind it is not going to justify double the price than a Harley Benton unless there's some other stuff going there. So there you go. Um, so, uh, that's, that's my thought showman. I hope that that works again. Just, just thoughts. Uh, uh, okay. Hold on a second. Yeah. Somebody said sounds hinting ish. It wasn't hinting. It was a smaller channel. Um, I will, you know what? I'll go in my history and find it. And if I can put it in the index, I'll put it again. Cause I, I like to give shout outs to the, to the channels that deserve it. Um, bigger than mine, smaller than mine, whatever. It just, everybody deserves the credit of the hard work they do. Um, Scott, uh, Nickerson said, cheers, Philip. Thank you, buddy. Says, do you have a favorite reverb pedal for your run 20? My favorite reverb pedal is my 63 Fender, uh, boss pedal. They don't make anymore. Uh, and it's uh, last I looked was way overpriced in the used market. Um, but my second favorite reverb pedal is slowly becoming the Atlantic by new X. I have not done a re <laughs> review of it. Um, and the reason I didn't do the review of that pedal was it's been on my board. I've been loving it for a while now, but I was getting some kind of weird tone, a digital tone. And I thought it might be the pedal. So I went really crazy trying to figure out where that, where that was coming from because i didn't want to recommend the pedal if that was a problem i, I feel pretty confident that's not that pedal that was doing that sound um so i will review that pedal uh scott i will make sure i get that review out for you uh and the very least i'll throw it on instagram if you guys don't follow me on instagram i've been putting up one minute videos on instagram almost every day about all kinds of things reviews uh you know highlights all that stuff i've been really pushing instagram and the reason being is it seems to be a great way to consume one minute information, just something fun tidbits. I, I go on Instagram and I notice that Instagram is mostly like, Hey, look, I'm on vacation or, Hey, I bought a boat. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I read a thing that said that, um, uh, a thing that said that people who watch YouTube usually go for information and people who go to Instagram, you know, they go, you know, to see what everybody else is up to. And they said that, uh, people are, they said there's a higher rate of depression from people who watch Instagram. And that actually kept me away from Instagram. Cause I was like, Oh, cause I, in the idea that I was like, well, I don't want to add to that. You know, like, look at me. <laughs> right. That seems stupid. Um, 
But so I've been trying to come at it different and say, hey, how, how about, you know, isn't it fun to get a, a quick little one minute information video? So I'm doing that. If you guys like that, you know, give that a shout out. Uh, do what you can to help grow that. Uh, I'll keep doing that. It seems really easy to do these one minute consumable videos comparatively to these longer videos, even though I have to edit them down. And I'll put a link to that Instagram. So you can join me on Instagram if you'd like that. And uh, let me know on Instagram, you know, just like here, if you like what I'm putting out, um, you know, if you like that information type stuff, I find Instagram does not the inspiration. The reason I say all this, so you guys know, uh, I get metrics, you know, I just like this, I get to look to see the stats, the analytics, uh, and the analytics on, on Instagram, sadly enough, really do lend to what Instagram, what I read about Instagram. When I post information, on Instagram, it doesn't do as well as if you go, Hey, look at me, everything's great. And I'm awesome. So I'm trying to fight that with myself. Cause if I post something that is, you know, like, Hey, I'm having a great day today in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, you get the idea and just killing this subject. Uh, yeah, you guys are talking about, you guys are talking back and forth about the Fender Squire bullet telecasters being discontinued. Um, I'm not shocked about that. That's their more affordable series. That was a great guitar, but who knows? I could think of a thousand reasons why they'd be discontinued. Maybe they're going to revamp it, do a new line. Maybe they figured at that price point, it was too expensive to have multiples like the Strat and the Telecaster. I think the idea was, you know, when the bullets were selling like crazy, uh, in the stores to the beginners. But I, again, you know, think about how many companies now make affordable guitars. It's gotta be a, who wants to be in the hundred dollar guitar market and have 5,000 competitors right? It's like who is as a business. Think of it. Don't think about it as guitar players for sometimes. Sometimes give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Give them the business logic. Who wants to be in the hundred dollar no profit guitar business with nothing but competition around you? Doesn't sound like a fun business model, right? Um, sounds like the fast food industry, like making tacos and burgers for 30 cents profit and then trying to sell a lot of them against each other. It doesn't sound fun to a lot of businesses. So I could see where they would probably <laughs> Beatmaster Phil says, says, don't start singing. Everything is awesome on here. I love that song. <laughs> I don't love that song, by the way. I just had kids when that movie came out and that thing got played to death. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Grisilda. I hope I'm saying it right. Grisilda says, thank you for the videos. I really learn a lot from you and the community. Thanks. Especially mentioned in the community. I really appreciate you saying that because I feel like that too. I love it when you guys are, I watch the comments on videos where you guys interact with each other. And I love it when somebody says, uh, I feel like you guys, I really feel this way. Sometimes it's like an army of you guys when somebody's like, Hey, Phil, they're asking me and they're asking a question and you guys will chime in. And I love that because there's just no way I can answer all these comments. And it's great to see you guys doing that. It's awesome. Uh, it's very kind of you to devote your time and experience like this. Um, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, man, I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you the truth. It's just awesome to do. And the fact that you can get, uh, some revenue from it on top of it, something I, that allocate, in other words, it pays the time to this. It's really cool. It's, uh, I'm very thankful for it and I plan to do it as long as it lasts. And, uh, and I have no, I'm not, I don't care if it lasts 10 years or two years or two months from now. It's been cool. Thank you. Um, Okay. And on that note, let's uh, wrap it up because we went an hour and a half today. It's pretty long. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just say this because it would make me laugh. Uh, Lighten's life says everything is cool when you're part of team. That's the lyric for that song. Gosh, the song's going to be in my head tonight. Uh, Ben says, Hey, I love this community. You know what, Ben, you have a great community on your channel too. I'll put a shout out to Ben Combs. If you guys don't know Ben Combs. He's got a great channel. It's a smaller channel he's starting out. He's doing really great. They're in Canada. They, but more importantly, they have that community as community aspect that we love. Uh, and, uh, I had a great time talking to him at the NAM show. Uh, he even invited me to be on his show. And uh, to be honest with you, if I, if I could figure it out how to get that done, I'll get it done, Ben. Uh, I, I, the only thing I can tell you, Ben, is I'm not going to go on anybody's channel before I go on yours next. I promise. I, 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 I promise. I will figure that out. Somehow we'll figure it out. Um, again, my problems is that not only do I have the work, because I have you know another stuff I do, YouTube, but I'm a dad. So sometimes when you're on, it's like my, it's my family time. And, you know, I, I, one of the things that YouTube, and I'm in on this note, you know, somebody, we're talking to somebody today about the store when I had the store, because today is two years ago. The store has been closed now for two years. And they were saying, do you miss the store? And I said, well, you know, I used to work six days a week, 10 hours a day, minimum 60 hours a week store. That's not a complaint. That's just an, just to understand. That's what retail is. If you have a retail business, you work retail, you work hours. And if you manage a retail business or you own a retail business, you're going to work even more of those hours. And, um, I don't, I, I only, the only thing about the stores I don't miss is those hours because I now get to spend more time with my family than I've ever got to imagine to do. So 13, well, it's 12 years, 12 years of that business missing family time was the hardest part of that business. And now being able to still be in guitar, be in communities, do something I love, but have family time. Like I said, uh, it's amazing. So, uh, so that that's uh, I thought I'd share with you guys. There, there you go. We'll end on a positive note for the weekend, and uh, especially since some of you guys hung out for so long. Thank you again. Before I go, of course, I want to do a shout out to the patrons that uh, help this show, uh, and that's why I, I do them every week and let them let you guys know these are the people that do it. And uh, try not to butcher it. It's Jeff Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce, and the Saltwater Whiskey Band, Hanner Gunson. Why, why they, by the way, Hanner is the one that said hi to me today. Hi, Hanner. Uh, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison, Andrew Good, Dennis, Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Billy Robertson, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Stewart, Carlos Patillo, Chuck Keen, Chief Squatch. I'm sure I'm saying it right. Right, It's Chief Squatch. Otherwise, it's Chief Chief Squatch. Either way, I think I'm saying it right. <laughs> Chris from New Mexico, Chris Glaze, Craig Parker, Dave Reese, Dennis Prescott, uh, Aaron Kimmicker. I'm saying that right too. I, Aaron said it's Kimmicker. Kimmicker, Gary Marshall, Greg Peterson, Jason Spacek, James Biles, Joe Watson, John and Russell, Jonathan Picker, and Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry Colkin, Lawrence Petros from LTD, LPD Pedals, uh, and uh, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Muse guitarist, Paul Ostrike, Louis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects, Ricky Robson, Robert Hodges, Sam Oram, Scott Tompkins, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. And I think we're missing one or two of you on the patron thing. I will make sure if I didn't mention you, you will get mentioned next week with a little special shout out. Because again, sometimes these lists get a little tricky. And then the last, Adam Garrett just did a super chat for no reason. Adam, I appreciate that, Adam. And you guys are awesome. And I will see you next week. Look forward to some videos next week, plus the live show next Friday at 3 o'clock. All right, guys. And also, don't forget, this is a podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. I will put links down below, and I will index it so that when you guys watch the rebroadcast, anything you want to see, you can click right to it. 
All right, guys, on that note, thank you again and know your gear.